that was, you know, a really important point that I learned. Uh, I'd, I'd say I learned the hard way and, and still learn every, every day is that even when you think you've made it or you've gotten to your end goal mm. or, you know, whatever, you, your your career and your life trajectory more broadly, I think it doesn't go in a straight line. You're right, we all have the same amount of time in a day, but one of the really defining things is, is that who, who's in that time? Mm. Who's helping you use your time, encouraging you to use your time really well? It's not enough to have an aim in life, you have to pull the trigger. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, beautiful people. I feel like it's been so long since our last episode, but it really hasn't. Does anyone else feel like this has been the fastest year ever? We've had a truly amazing 2019 so far, and I just didn't think things could really ramp up much more. But the past few weeks has been a blur of excitement, and I can't quite believe where this episode is being published from. For the coming week, I'll be on Necker Island in the Caribbean with Sir Richard Branson and 20 other amazing businesswomen facilitated by the incredible team at Business Chicks. I won't start gushing or I'll take up the whole intro, but I don't think you could seize more yay than that, so I'm sure I'll be bombarding you all in no time. If you haven't heard the Business Chicks story yet, you can head back to founder Emma Isaac's episode to catch up, and we've had several other wonderful members of the Business Chicks community on the show. Today's is another one of those who I've been so excited about, as it's our first medical professional to join for a chat. Yep, the wonderful Dr. Nikki Stamp is our guest for this episode, one of Australia's 11 cardiothoracic surgeons. Originally from Perth with dreams of being a performer, her father encouraged her to first complete a degree during which she fell in love with medicine and never looked back. Having completed the gruelling years of training to become a surgeon, she is now not only saving lives on the daily, but has also just released her second book, The Day We Recorded, a few weeks ago now, is a speaker, mentor and passionate supporter of women in medicine. I'm a bit squeamish, so couldn't have acted in medicine, but still have so much curiosity about it, as you'll hear very clearly. And I hope you find it as fascinating as I did to hear about life as a surgeon. Dr. Nikki, thank you so much for making time in your incredibly busy schedule. (laughs) It is my absolute pleasure. (laughs) So lovely to have you in Melbourne for a couple of days for your new book launch. I've, I've got to stop making faces because I realise that people can't see them. But yeah. I'm making an excited face. I do that all the time. And then I'm like, oh, I have to have the noises to go with it. That's right. <laughs> so before we kick off, I love to start every podcast with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them because I think the digital age has allowed us all to create kind of a glossy exterior mm-hmm. and you've been so good at, you know, the I look like a surgeon movement. It's been so good that you share a lot of the parts that people don't see. Mm-hmm. But what's something, just to break the ice, that's really down-to-earth about you? I don't like wearing shoes. <gasps> wow. And the only reason I think about that, because I've said this a couple of times today, because because I've been like on the, you know, doing PR yesterday and today for the book is that, you know, I've had to get dressed up and people <laughs> keep saying, oh my God, you know, your feet, your feet. And I'm like, it's fine because if they really annoy me, I'll just walk barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> 
which is kind of gross. It's, it's a very WA girl kind of thing. It's like, such a fair thing. It's, you know, <laughs> shoes are optional, particularly once you get to like areas like Fremantle. You know, shoes are optional. It's just too chilled. I love too chilled for shoes. We're sitting in the Australia room right now and I'm like, I think that fits. Yeah. Barefoot. Yeah. Wild and free. <laughs> That's me, wild and free. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're way TA. So tell us about young Nikki. And I think now, you know, you're very well known as a cardiothoracic surgeon. And one of the nine, I think. Uh, I think we're up to 11 at the moment, last count. So not many. 11 in Australia, which is absolutely incredible. But what I think people love to hear is not so much where you ended up, but the dot points along the way to get there. So take us back to the very beginning. Okay. Young Nikki in Perth. Were you cool at school? What were your hobbies? (laughs) When did you start your interest in medicine and did you always want to be a surgeon? <laughs> so I actually grew up all over Australia actually. Uh, I, you know, from, from everywhere and um, Melbourne, Perth, yeah, lived in Sydney, so all over the place. But um, uh, was I cool at school? Probably not. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think if I answered that question with a yes, it's probably a lie. Um, but I, when I was about eight, I used to see Victor Chang who was a uh, heart surgeon in Sydney on TV and as a precocious eight-year-old, I would say that when I grew up, I wanted to be a heart surgeon and finish the work of Victor Chang. And I don't know what sort of eight-year-old says that, but I did. Um, and my parents were like, okay, that's fine, but you have to work hard. I got pretty sidetracked along the way. Yeah, I guess like most teenagers, I went through a phase of you know, wanting to, you know, do everything and be everything. You know, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a lawyer. Really, 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 really wanted to be an actor. And that was probably my main goal through high school. No way. Yeah, I know. It's like such an about face, isn't it? Um, And I got, uh, that's what I was going to do. I, I got to the end of high school and that's what I was going to do. My dad who is an engineer, so he's like, you know, very sensible yeah. sort of person. Yeah, um, good to have those around. Yeah, very good to have it, especially when you've got a daughter who wants to be a, you know, be a musical theatre actress. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> so he said to me, that's fine, you, you can go and study, you know, musical theatre, but you have to get a real degree first. <laughs> so I was going to be an accountant. I was enrolled in accounting. <laughs> Just such a strange story. Every time I tell her, I'm like, how did I end up here? But I, I didn't really, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't interest me I, I chose it because I thought oh you know I'm pretty good at it and you know it's a good broad career choice so just after I finished year 12 I, I was like no I'm not I'm not I don't want to do this yeah it's not my thing and <laughs> no definitely not my thing and um, as any accountant I've ever had will attest to accounting is not my thing <laughs> um, so uh, I um, I started to think about what, what else I would like to do and my dad you know plays a big part again he sort of said to me you know if you could do anything in the world anything at all without you know worrying about marks or subjects or whatever what would you do and it was so strange I said I'd want to be a doctor Wow, so like, it came back. It must have. It must have laid dormant there for like, you know, a good decade or so. And because I had, you know, not taken what I thought were the right subjects, they weren't at the time, and I hadn't done the admissions test and all the other bits and pieces you needed to do medicine, I had to look at how to get into medicine through a different way. So I studied science uh, at UWA for a year and I uh, started medicine after that. And it was it was really strange because I, I know at, at school, because I was not that 
interested in anything academic. I didn't think I was smart enough at all. Mm. Um, and certainly, you know, one teacher in particular uh, reinforced that idea. <laughs> um, oh and, you know, then all these things that people said I couldn't do, I was then doing, um, you know. I, I, I still sometimes have these moments of like, gosh, am I actually bright enough to be doing this? <laughs> but, yeah, I was always going to be a surgeon once I got to medical school, uh, always going to be a surgeon. And I was, wanted to be an orthopaedic surgeon and work on joints and Ooh. things. Um, and I got given a rotation in heart surgery and I loved it so much I never left. That was it. Yeah. That it's is a bit of convoluted, so isn't fascinating. it? Fascinating. <laughs> I think almost everyone's story so far that we've had on the show has been a bit convoluted, a bit of a roundabout. There's yeah. always been an about phase in there somewhere. Yeah. And that's what I love to share because I think you you really do have so much pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to find what you want to do before you – I mean, before you – to do prereq subjects you have to know in like year 10 yeah i know which you're like what 14 i know 15 i mean <laughs> i still don't know when i'm like 30 uh, so. look, I'm, I'm still i'm still thinking of you know different ways my career could go now and i think that was you know a really important point that i learned uh, I'd, I'd say i learned the hard way and, and still learn every every day is that even when you think you've made it or you've gotten to your end goal mm-hmm. or you know whatever your your career and your life trajectory more broadly I think it doesn't go in a straight line and I don't think it's meant to either no exactly because I I think about the things that have happened you know like little things sometimes you know like random tiny opportunities and sometimes bigger things like moving you know interstate or whatever it it presents sometimes different opportunities and sometimes at the time they seem you know annoying or worse (laughs) (laughs) but you know I sort of look back on things now and pretty happy with the the convoluted course things have taken and you know and I know that when the course you know veers off again that I, I can pivot yeah. and and you know and it's, it's meant something. to be that way I think everything happens for a reason that's what they say and every, <laughs> every step makes sense backwards even if you don't know it at the time so mm-hmm. for anyone listening you know I just love to reiterate that point that mm-hmm. at any stage along the way you might be doing something that's the complete opposite of where you end up but and you might not even know that yet but that's the point right. each step helps right. you eliminate and pivot and adjust and adapt mm-hmm. and then you end up doing something you love which is right. so exciting yes <laughs> it is it, it's a good it's a good feeling but yeah, life, life will throw you curveballs and you just got to roll with it. So for the people who have not had a friend or a relative or themselves in the medical profession, tell us from, you know, as a very basic level of steps, how do you actually go from, firstly, it's so cool that you can transfer. I think that's really good for any, you know, uni students or school students listening mm-hmm. that you don't, I, I was the same, I did law, I got straight mm-hmm. in, but there are people who started any you know multiple other degrees and then mm-hmm. ended up changing totally in the first year and graduating in the same yeah. time yeah. so you can get really good grades you can transfer yep. then once you get into med you do your medical degree your mm-hmm. bachelor's degree mm-hmm. But to become a surgeon, there's a whole extra layer and mm-hmm. then there's specialising. So tell us how you started and then what all the different steps are along the way for anyone who's kind of contemplating that career path. Yeah, so look, um, whatever you do in medicine, whether it's surgery or general practice, whatever your specialty is, there's a period of specialisation after after uni. Um, so I always uh, refer to doctors as professional exam takers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. Like yeah, 14 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> such a long time. Um, so depending, like medical school's changed a little bit since I went to uni so you know for me it was six years um, of medical school and then you do a year as an intern which is like your supervised practice and after that you 
are granted full registration. So you're a doctor as an intern. You just, um, you know, it's your first year out. It's like, um, <laughs> can't even imagine how scary that would be. <laughs> I, I actually, my intern year was the best year ever. I had wow. such amazing. I was just so, so chuffed and so ready to be like out there. I just had a great <laughs> time, and I had great people around me. I think that helped as well. Um, so yeah, so I did. Uh, so you do an intern year, and then from the time you leave medical school to getting your specialist qualification, again, you know, pretty broadly, whatever it is, it's about ten years. Another um, another ten years. Yeah. On yeah. top of your yeah. six year medical school. Yeah. <laughs> so nice, you know. yeah, so yeah, it's a long time. Um, you know, it's it. The thing I can liken it to the most is an apprenticeship. So yeah. you're still working in your your chosen field, but you're learning more and more all the time and there's a lot of exams along the way and then eventually you do what we call your fellowship and that's when you are awarded your specialist qualification so for me in surgery that's a a massive exam (laughs) at the end of training and I still the day I got my exam results say I passed oh my gosh the best day of my life bar none (laughs) it's like you know at that stage it was like 15 years of work you know to that particular point and yeah so that was that was pretty amazing and that's what we all sort of do yeah it's long it's hard but you know I think the good thing about it is that the because it is that long and hard one we have really good healthcare in this country (laughs) um and two the people who do it they love it because you can't put yourself through all that and your family and your friends without really believing in what you do And from that self-belief perspective, you know, I think self-doubt for anyone at any stage of their career is always something that you're battling with. But when the consequences for you guys is so much more serious and forever, it's Mm. so permanent compared Mm. to us, it's like, oh, if someone didn't get their match, that's not a big deal. (laughs) At what point, you know, I know you guys go into hospitals early, like Mm -hmm. when you're studying, you're already Mm -hmm. out in hospitals doing placements and rotations. Mm At what point do you become an actual independent doctor doing your own, you know, actually making calls on things? And how do you acclimatise to that level of responsibility? So from your intern year, there'll be like, you know, your sort of graded exposure to that responsibility. So from your intern year, you'll be a per- you'll be making decisions. You'll be choosing medications or ordering tests. And, you know, obviously that's sort of done with a degree of supervision along the way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the more senior you get, the more decisions you make. Um, and for me as a consultant, you know, that's, that's me. The buck stops with me. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm just in awe of all oh, doctors, sh- particularly surgeons. I'm so fascinated by what you guys do. I think it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear someone say that because I think for, for me, partic- I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but sometimes I have to stop and think, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I just, <laughs> you get, because you get so accustomed to it. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's not until someone says, you, you know, you like did heart surgery today, and I was like, oh, oh, I guess I did. I did indeed. <laughs> um, and you know, because because it's my my normality, and I like to be reminded of that because, like I say, that is normal for me. Like it yeah. seems like a, just a regular day at the office, but you know, it's it's <laughs> definitely not. not. <laughs> it's not, and particularly for the patients, like that is mm. probably that day, that moment in time might be you know one of the most defining points of their life and for their family so I really like I don't want to sound like I'm you know just ignorant or or naive about what I do but it's really good to to keep grounded and remember that while this is my job it is the biggest moment for someone else and that's the people who we're charged with looking after oh my gosh I like just blown away right now that is just absolutely incredible. I mean, I can't I can't even 
like it is. It's for you. It's just a day in the office. From the outside, it is actually you're changing lives every single day, and it is so fascinating. So tell us, you know, from the time that you got your qualification as a surgeon, and for everyone who doesn't know what cardiothoracic surgery is, it's heart and lung is mm-hmm. the other way to say that. Yeah. The to- non-doctor way of saying that. Yeah, the non-doctor <laughs> way of saying that. <laughs> it probably sounds, you know, so boring and, and day-to-day for you, but. What does a surgeon actually do? Like how much of your time is in surgery? How long do most surgeries go for? And then how long is admin? And, you know, how just basically <laughs> tell us, is Grey's Anatomy, how accurate is it? Really? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> that's in my mind what you're doing oh, all day. <laughs> Grey's Anatomy is so not accurate. I have to say, if I had to pick a medical show that really grinds my gears the most, it would probably be Grey's Anatomy. No way. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I can hear hearts breaking like everywhere because it's the best, but I <laughs> I just um, the my the only good thing about Grey's Anatomy was Christina. Um, yeah. Gosh, she's amazing. She's Have you seen her new show? Oh my god, I love that Killing show. Eve. Oh my god. Oh, it's the best show best ever. Best show. Oh, my. <laughs> I, you know, I nearly cried at the end of the second season because I'm like, no, what do I do now? I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's unfortunately not like that. Unfortunately, there's a lot more admin work than what we do now, mm-hmm. um, which is really painful, and a lot of us find that which is frustrating because it does take away from your clinical commitments. Mm. But it's sort of you know, it, it sometimes is a necessary uh, necessary evil, I suppose. But, you know, yeah, I operate, uh, depending on the week, up to a couple of days a week, sometimes more. And then I do on call on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then we, with heart surgery, our operations are pretty long. So three or four hours is probably about, you know, the lower end. Mm-hmm. In a day, you usually do two or three heart surgeries a day. If I'm doing lung Whoa. surgery, it's like probably three or four at a push. But yeah, it's, it's you know, and there's no no normal day. You know, we never know what's going to roll through the door, which is, it's good because um, I, I like that challenge. I mm. like that, you know, having to think on my feet. I love the way our team really comes together. You know, when when we're, we're faced with an emergency, for example, we are, I think, absolutely, you know, it brings out the best in everybody. Mm. Um, I love watching the way everyone works in that in that setting. And um, you know, but it's hard as well because, you know, sometimes uh, it's something really tragic and that's really hard. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it means like really really long days and long you know overnights and all kinds of things like that. So that's you know personally difficult. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, all of those things actually are really are actually a great part of my of my job. It's so cool. I mean, because I always have wanted to ask, how far in advance do you know what surgeries you're doing? And, you know, do you just literally get pulled into things? And then if Sometimes. There's, there's a trauma, is it just like you're yep. just sitting at your computer yep. and people are like, get yep. in your scrubs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That happened to me a few weeks ago. I was not operating. I was just doing like, you know, uh, ward round and, you know, non-clinical stuff, you know, getting teaching together. And I was sitting at my desk and my registrar, I mean, she's like, get down here now and hung up and I was like oh dear um so I'm running through the hospital I had a can of diet coke and I'm running through the hospital in heels and a dress I, I must have looked like an absolute idiot it was Grey's Anatomy that was it the was moment a, that, that looked probably like Grey's the Anatomy, only Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> although uh, you know McDreamy wasn't chasing after me oh so, well, that, well that's a shame <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no and, and um you know that 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 thing does happen it doesn't happen that often but yeah I had to run down and then um you know I had to send my resident off to grab my operating glasses out of my car and you know <laughs> someone else to get me some scrubs and I'm in the middle of this room getting changed into scrubs 
you know, throwing <laughs> your heels off. Yeah, I was. I was just throwing heels off. And it just, it looks, I just think it looked ridiculous. But, you know, that does happen. Um, it, let's say it doesn't happen very often. Most of our, probably about half of, and this is just my specialty, half of our stuff is booked and planned. Mm-hmm. And about half of it is um, sort of unplanned where it could be, you know, an, like really acute emergency like that. Or it could be, um, you know, someone who had a heart problem, has been in hospital for a couple of days and can't go home until they've had surgery. So... Mm-hmm. It's a mixed bag. It's fascinating. (laughs) And in terms of like the scope of things that you do, I know you do some transplants Mm -hmm. and you do like what would be your favourite type of surgery? Is there anything that you find really fascinating? Oh, yes. So I love my my two sort of big surgical interests. I love uh, doing uh, bypass grafts. That's for people who've had heart attacks or have blockages in their heart arteries. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, And that also ties into sort of my other interest in like prevention. So that's great. I really enjoy that one. And the other thing I really love doing, my my favourite operations are ones on the aorta, which is the biggest blood vessel comes out of the heart and takes blood everywhere. Um, so they're really challenging cases, and re- but really interesting. I, that's my favourite thing to do. I'm like a pig in mud with that kind that of stuff. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then it sounds like as well you get quite a diverse in a range of obviously cases depending on what patients mm-hmm. present to you but there's also room for research you mentioned teaching just before yep. how is that all split up do you get to control what kind of load you have on all oh. three things or mm, control's a strong word um. <laughs> <laughs> influence <Yeah. laughs> have a say uh, have, sometimes have a say um yeah look you know you do sort of you can choose your pathway a little bit you know if you have an interest in one area then obviously you explore it um, but, you know, I, I think that for a lot of us, uh, getting that mix right can be a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and the clinical clinical stuff always always comes first. Yeah. yeah. Is that, does that vary hospital to hospital or yeah. more like, expertise, you know, area of expertise? I think area of expertise and area of interest yeah, can okay. vary. Yeah, totally. Um, so not everyone does research. Not everyone does teaching. It really depends on, on what you like doing and what, you, what you're good at and, you know, um, what's around as well. Sometimes yeah, opportunities, wow. as we've already discussed. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just present them to no, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about some of the less glamorous stuff? I mean, judging on Grey's Anatomy, everything is glamorous. <laughs> it's very, you know, heart surgery is like in the hierarchy of medicine, is heart surgery like at the top? Yes, obviously. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine there's a lot of glamorous moments where um, you come out of a heart surgery and you're like, I saved lives, like this is amazing. But you've also got <laughs> an amazing thing going on where you share a lot of the less glamorous moments, which yeah. I think is has built you a really big following and has been amazing in sharing parts of the industry that people who mm-hmm. aren't in it don't get to see. Yeah, and I have to put a disclaimer, I'm very biased. <laughs> I, know, I know if my friend uh, Ruth Mitchell, who's a neurosurgeon uh, here, if she's listening to this and say, hears me say that heart surgery is the best, she'll be like on the phone to me straight away going, it's clearly brain surgery. <laughs> That's <Duh>. the best. <laughs> um, no, I look, the, the, the glamour of it, you know, as portrayed on TV, is, it's not real. Um, you know, like I, I go to work every day, you know, what days I'm operating more specifically. Uh, I don't wear heels every day. Yeah, I was going to say, can you wear heels in, in, as a doctor all day on your feet? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I can, but I don't do it very often. No, that's one of the good things about surgery is I get to, I, you know, I sometimes turn up to work in trackies and oh, I'm so glamorous. Um, <laughs> I do the same. Oh, the best, though. Uh, you know, I turn up like, you know, and get changed straight away. You know, I don't wear makeup on those days. The other good thing about surgery, that, which you know really helps being unglamorous is that we have to cover our hair oh so, yeah do permanent shower cap kind of vibe <laughs> no, i suppose on a more serious side of things you know yeah look it, it can be really um challenging it's 
long hours, um, you know, which can be really soul-breaking. Mm. Um, you know, it's dealing with sometimes some really horrific, you know, things like people dying. Mm. Um, that's awful. Uh, it, it can be, you know, dealing with, you know, one of the things I spend a lot of time doing is talking about gender issues in medicine. You know, if you want to talk about something that's backbreaking, that would be it. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's not very glamorous. And a lot of people, I think, don't talk about whatever their profession, I might say, don't talk about the challenges that, that we face. And I sort of struggle, I struggle with trying to get that balance right, mm. because you don't want to come in and say, listen to all the awful things I have to face. And I think sometimes we we tend to do that and it becomes like a competition, like a, you know, sick competition to who's got it the worst. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was a lawyer, so I feel that. Yeah, like that's all we have in common with oh each other. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, you don't want to so – you don't want to, you don't want to mislead people either. You don't mm. want to say everything is awesome. Um, you can do whatever you like and mm. there will be no no problems as long as you work hard because that's not real life. Mm. So I, th- I, I, I have to say I, I don't know the right answer to to getting that balance at the moment i don't want to put people off but likewise i don't want to tell them a story that isn't real yeah i i totally appreciate that and i think (laughs) it is always an evolving balance that's really hard Mm -hmm. to get right but Mm -hmm. i think as long as you aren't just showing one or the other Mm -hmm. exclusively that you're doing your bit to kind of show the real side of Mm -hmm career different pathways look different Mm -hmm. none of them is smooth none of them are totally crap like Mm -hmm, there's a mm -hmm. whole mix in between totally yeah Um, agree yeah yeah but I do know that gender in medicine is something that you are really passionate about and it comes through really strongly in your work that you do want to not scare off women Mm -hmm. but everyone really from from going into medicine but not to you know lead them into the mistaken view that it it isn't still hard yeah because there's obviously been a lot of positive change in a lot of industries in the legal industry as well yes but there's still the fact out there that half the graduates of medical school are female and 12 percent of yeah the people that go into the workforce in medicine are female and it just doesn't make sense no it doesn't and you know i think i always think that there's sometimes the statistics are kind of underplay it like though particularly like really broad statistics like that you know i saw a, a um a speaker recently from the military in medical military um who was saying you know 20 percent of of our of our members are are female you're like wow Mm. but then you sort of think to the actual lived experiences of people in in those environments so um you know in medicine statistics just to sort of illustrate a point you know there's there's so many stories about difficulties that women in medicine and particularly women in surgery have you know sexual harassment uh, gender bias if if a woman surgeon this one really annoys me if a woman surgeon has a death of a patient uh, which happens she will uh, be punished basically by a drop in her referrals of 54 percent i believe which persists (gasps) for a year after that event oh my god blokes don't get the same thing yeah you know uh, a colleague of mine in the united states did a fabulous research project where she looked at um and i'm sure a lot of women will relate to this the aggression assertiveness sort of Mm. um (laughs) challenge so women surgeons were more likely to be reported for behaviors in the operating theater so um you know getting frustrated or swearing or whatever Mm. than the male surgeons were you know all those kinds of things that they they really add up to just almost like death by a thousand paper cuts (laughs) you know it's really hard um and you're right you know that we we are all doing a lot better i think you know some i think some industries are doing better than others Uh, some companies are doing better than others Mm. but i think medicine is such a traditionalist 
kind of profession that making that change is 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 very difficult yeah and the sad thing is i think we have a moral imperative like as in it's just the right thing to do Mm. to be more more inclusive but for our female patients it's really important because every person i think deserves to have a medical workforce that reflects our society um, that looks like them Uh, and for women you know there is some some research to suggest that women might do better in terms of their their health outcomes with female doctors and that since we don't have that i think we're doing a real disservice to to the patient yeah Yeah. and that's at the end of the day that's what we're here for so Mm. you know it is really time to to sort of aggressively attack that um and um that's one of the things that i really would like to achieve but it's 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 hard and i saw that you i actually read i think the article where you were talking about that yeah. um about the responsiveness of patients to the actual surgeon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and on top of all that research you also do a lot of mentoring mm-hmm. for you know younger women going mm-hmm. into the medical workforce so mm-hmm. in the context of it still being quite tough mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you would say to fellow women in the, in the medical workforce in terms of how to combat it and how to build the resilience and what are the ways that they can you know fight against the kind of institutional yeah. inequalities so i i think that you know i I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm like, you know, please stop trying to change us. We're fine. Yeah. Um, the problem is the system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay, yeah. you know, the advice that I would give to 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 young young women, young girls is, you know, you know to work hard, like be the best you can be, uh, and then some. You know, um, don't tolerate sexism, racism, any ism, because you know it, it it's. It's just it's not appropriate anymore, you know, to, to look after each other, um, you know, bring each other up. I think that's really important to, you know, if you've got a, a project or an opportunity, you know, that where there's uh, an option for someone else to be involved, you know, give your girlfriend a shout out, you know, mm-hmm. let's help help each other up. But I think a lot of the messages regarding gender inequalities are basically preaching to the choir like women we know we're aware of this thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know the people who need to be hearing these messages the people uh who who need to be understanding you know what what can be done are actually the people in power and sometimes well sometimes in medicine very often that's men Mm. we need people to to be able to affect change and and that's not necessarily going to come be able to come from us because it is it's not impossible and it's important that we start from the ground up, but we really need other people to, to come in and, and help. The ones who have the power to Correct. actually yeah, influence yeah. the change at a yeah. you know, structural yeah, level. Definitely. So I do want to come back to the challenges, including obviously uh, gender inequality, but any other challenges for people in the medical workforce, particularly in the early days when they are establishing themselves and trying to build a career and make a life that they love. (laughs) But that will be in the next section called NATA. But just to finish off this section, I want to talk about how your career has then evolved even further. Uh And one of the coolest things about you is that you you are proving every day in what you do that surgeons who you know appear to be the busiest people in the whole entire world and (laughs) the people with maybe the least control over their time Mm -hmm. you are managing to do all these other incredible things and have add all these facets to your career public speaking you know hosting tv shows you've released two books the second Mm. book today Mm -hmm. has just come out today called pretty unhealthy the first book was uh, can you die of a broken heart how did that all evolve how have you crafted this career for yourself where (laughs) You know, most surgeons are anonymous. Their work oh, is anonymous gosh. because they're doing their yeah. surgeries, you know. How have you managed to build this life for yourself that does allow you to not just do the work but share the messages of the stuff you're passionate about to people who want to do the work? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it all happens. I, I, I didn't really set out to do this. Mm. Um, it kind of, I was just so many accidents and coincidences and, you know, opportunities <laughs> that I said, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. So, I, you know, um, started writing. I started, like, doing a blog just myself. Just, I don't know why. I it felt like it, I think. In all um, your spare time. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I'm, I'm one, I, I am one of those annoying people who are, who are busy or likes being busy. Yeah, like, you know, I totally yeah, understand. I can, sure you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that sort of evolved into writing for a couple of smaller outlets. I can't, I, it's just kind of accidents. And then I got interviewed for Huffington Post uh, for uh, women in surgery. And then they asked me to be a regular contributor, which I did. And from there, a lot of stuff grew. You know, I, I got approached to write a book, which is my first book, Can You Die of a Broken Heart? And then I uh, did two episodes of ABC Catalyst. Um, <laughs> and then oh, it's just all this stuff just kept building. And a lot of the time there are a whole bunch of opportunities. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? That sounds interesting. And some of these are opportunities now that I've – more recently that I've sought out. Mm. So, um, for example, uh, different and more broad writing gigs, I suppose, you know, writing for, for other public publications, writing opinion pieces. But generally, uh, it has just been a, a, a massive accident. <laughs> Which are sometimes the best developments in people's careers are by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and look, don't get me wrong, like now that, as I say, now that I've sort of got, a, and I suppose, a start and, you know, some established projects that I've, I've been really proud of and really happy with, you know, I definitely have ideas where I might like some of this stuff to go but it has just been um yeah very unexpected I didn't wake up one day and say I want to be a writer or (laughs) I want to host a tv show um but I I love doing it and I actually do see that as a compliment to my day job because you know like I said to you we we have the opportunity to maybe do two or three surgeries in a day so it's two or three people I can help um if I'm doing clinic I might see maybe 10 to 12 people that's probably about about it so that's the sort of maximum number of people I can help at work but um I know say for the first catalyst episode I think they had you know over 500,000 viewers and if just (laughs) a, a small fraction of those people um saw that show and thought you know what I'm going to do something different I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow or I'm going to get I have this problem I should really get that checked by my GP um that's a lot of people to help all at once so it it means a lot to me to have a platform to share important messages I think you've just done such an amazing job at that (laughs) not not only for making people individually aware of you know heart health Mm -hmm. cardiac health other and their own kind of well-being and Mm -hmm. what they can do Mm -hmm. but also on a career level for Mm. people don't get to hear from very you know experienced Mm -hmm. successful surgeons Mm -hmm. very often because it's just not a you know profession where Instagram and profiles no. and speaking profiles are no. that important. You know, no, it it's not the done thing. Yeah, um, I, I I am definitely an outlier, which I love. Yeah, I, and I, it's I obvious like, that you are because there yeah. are no other surgeons on Instagram. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a, a handful of people, and you know, and, and probably don't use it in the way that I do. And uh, you know, I, I you know, I'd be lying if I, I said I don't worry that you know, I'm sure there. are people in my profession who are like "Mm, not so keen on that but you know at the end of the day I'm not doing this for dodgy reasons I suppose Mm -hmm. you know I I really feel that this is an important thing to do and I'm lucky enough to be able to do it and and I think that that's that's it's actually a great it's I say it's a great privilege 
I think it just shows also such agility in adapting to what is out there. If you want to generate change in industry, you Mm -hmm. often have to go outside it. Oh, agree. Yeah, and and, uh, you know, being able to to look at 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 your career, and I think that's probably something that this generation will do differently to say, you know, what our parents did, which was, you know, work in a job for a really long time. (laughs) You you know, there are so many more opportunities, um, and there are so many more ways to affect change. And you're right. Sometimes that isn't just you know putting your head down and working hard and getting the job done now we have to to look to alternative ways to to make make things different or better it, you do need a little bit need to be or you know you can be a little bit more versatile in your career nowadays mm. which i think is kind of exciting it is so exciting yeah. literally every time every time you post i'm like i want to be a surgeon <laughs> i love that you show it's it's not just what you think it is which is literally either in surgery or doing admin about mm-hmm. the surgery you know you mm-hmm. can go out and you can make change you can reach other women mm-hmm, who in your mm-hmm, own mm-hmm. industry or outside your industry mm-hmm. you can you can change people's mind about what they do as a career like mm-hmm. that's a huge level of influence yeah. and it's so exciting <laughs> <laughs> but that leads me really nicely to the next section which is the nata which is all the challenges that mm-hmm. come along the way and i think probably the level of influence you do have over people mm-hmm. both patients and mm-hmm. aspiring young doctors is overwhelming Mm -hmm. and Mm self-doubt and confidence crises of confidence and Mm -hmm. especially in the early days when Mm -hmm. you're like oh my god I'm about to fucking operate on somebody (laughs) like how have you dealt with that through your career um so I, I think that one of the good things about the way that we train is that you you have a soft landing you have someone more experienced mm-hmm. there helping you um and as now someone who does that training I know that I don't let my juniors do anything uh one without <laughs> me there uh and two that I don't know that they can't already do yes um and three that I, can, I know I can fix. Um, okay. so <laughs> That's you, good to know. Yeah, right. So there you go. Everyone can relax. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, they're, they're, that confidence, I've, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of, you know, that's my personality. Mm. And I, I'm sure that's probably what a lot of other people would say as well in, in, my, in my profession. Um, you do kind of have to back yourself a little bit. Mm. Um, I, I, okay, I don't think that's unique to medicine. I think there's... A, period when all of us need to say actually I got this um but you know yeah I definitely I definitely have uh times where I'm like oh I'm not really sure about this and I think one of the really good lessons I've learned from um my teachers and mentors over the years is that in those moments it's actually okay to ask for help yeah and you know it's a little bit sharing the load it's a little bit uh, educating yourself and sometimes it's a little bit someone saying you can do this you're fine and you're like oh yeah I can cool yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty smart I'm yeah, pretty good at this, I got this. <laughs> um so yeah look you know and, and you know sometimes there's actually no room to be to be doubtful for me you know I I, I need to do it uh, it needs to get done and you know I need to step up and mm. having said I, I don't you know at work I don't I'm not particularly nervous I was just about yeah. to ask do you get nervous before you do a surgery you've never no. done before or no like- no not really um you know, I think I'm not I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm mindful yeah, of the okay. gravity of the situation. Yeah. But I'm not like sitting in the toilet, you know, crapping myself. <laughs> um, You're not sorry. Ellen Pompeo. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not like, you know, I'm not... Uh, having a breakdown. I'm not having a breakdown and, you know, running off to the on-call room and spending all day debriefing when I should be doing work. <laughs> what about the first time though? Like what every surgeon has to do their first surgery. Like, okay. You know, what is that like? My first surgery is so gross. <laughs> Tell um, me, I love the <laughs> <laughs> so, content warning here. 
Um, my, the first surgery I ever did by myself was draining uh, an abscess around someone's bum. It's <laughs> such a common first surgery. <laughs> a co- is it? Yeah, that people get to do. Yeah, because it's pretty like it's because it's kind of straightforward. It's quite straightforward for for most cases, um, and it's like an initiation. I think I <laughs> maybe they just give it to you as yeah, your first like, one because it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, it, it was. It, it, I shouldn't say. Look, it's actually a really important operation to do. Like in, for some, if someone has ever had that operation, they'll know how grateful they are for having that sort of yeah. The first, I still remember the first time. So to do heart surgery, not all heart surgeries, but most heart surgery, you have to stop the heart. Um, so we connect the patient to the heart lung machine. We do that by putting these really big pipes. Like I'm trying to think of a, you know, the sort of diameter of like a five to ten cent piece. Um, you know, so generally frowned upon to put holes in the heart. Um, oh yeah, I, mean, I understand that. <laughs> so I still remember the first time, the very very first time I did that. I was that was probably the a time when I remember being actually nervous, and that was, I was very junior then. Um, <laughs> and I remember looking at one of the senior nurses as I was about to do it and going, "Oh my god!" And she's like you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And my boss was there with me. And then after that, yeah, it got, you know, it gets easier. Um, <laughs> just, it's just such it's just, a... You just figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you learn to have confidence and you learn the skills. And like I said, you know, I, I, I still look to my senior colleagues for assistance, for mm. advice. Um, you know, I've got the rest of my life. Uh, I think this goes for everybody. You've got the rest of your life to nut it out by yourself if you need help ask for it you know it's great it's an opportunity to learn and in my work it's an opportunity to do a better job for somebody yeah that's important to me yeah oh great advice (laughs) (laughs) okay what about this is a burning question I think for anyone in the medical profession how do you manage the burnout and the time management the long hours Mm -hmm. like it's just the long surgeries, the overnight, you know, working and concentrating for that many hours, I'm sure is mm. something that you get used to. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I don't yep. think it's na- – most of us don't concentrate at the intensity you would concentrate yep. on for that many hours. Yep. And then go home and then be able to turn your brain off when you've literally just worked on someone's heart. Like how do you manage that whole intense contrast and also intense energy expenditure without uh, just crashing? <laughs> uh, look, I think you're right. I think you do learn. I think that you, your body learns how to do it. You, you sort of learn that that focus. I think that, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I definitely could be better at self-care. Um, it is a really important part, though, what I, of, of keeping healthy and then for doing my, my job properly. So, you know, it, it is an acquired thing to do, though, to be able to go home and say, you know, switch off. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, I still go home after, you know, big scary cases or, you know, difficult days and, and worry about it and sometimes lose sleep over it. But I, I think it's important to learn how to turn off and for me the way I, the way I do it you know I, I usually exercise before work mm-hmm. um, I don't exercise of an evening because uh, I'm usually too just tired <laughs> or yeah or just like nah don't wanna um, <laughs> but um, you know for me it's actually you know really disengaging it's you mm. know doing like watching trashy tv oh trashy tv is the best or like youtube i can go down <laughs> a great big youtube rabbit hole and wind up what was i watching the other day 
I was watching Friends bloopers. <gasps> They're the best. Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, like it's just so like, <laughs> how so good because I love it when they, they show the real scene. Anyway, I digress. But, you know, that kind of like just really, really, really switching off. Yeah. And, and I'm lucky I have great friends and family to talk to and to debrief with and who are a great support system for me. Is it one of those industries where in the early years, like law is a bit like this, where you have to cut your teeth and you really do yes. have, you know, your first few years of just sleep deprivation. Totally. Finding that balance, crashing a few times, figuring out what works, what doesn't, mm-hmm. not having weekends and mm-hmm. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they're probably pretty similar, mm-hmm. um, law and medicine in that regard. Does it have to be that way though? I don't know. I don't think mm. it needs to be unnecessarily harsh. Mm. I don't think we need to try and break people for funsies, um, which I think uh, I think <laughs> some, some people like. I think some people like. I think, and I think medicine still does to a degree. I think that you know, for me, one of my very early teachers told me that you need to learn how to operate when you're tired, and that was his uh, reason for explaining why he was just going to flog me for the next six months. Um, <laughs> and so that's unnecessary, right? Yeah. But he had a point. You do need to learn how to operate when you're tired. You need. To to learn you do need to learn that skill but I think we should definitely do it more kindly than we do now we don't Mm. need to do it just to to prove a point or just because it happened to us you know I think that you know in general you know particularly in medicine we know that well-rested doctors perform better Mm. so we shouldn't we shouldn't be be doing it just because that's the way it's always been done look if an emergency rolls up an emergency rolls up and we will all work to to you know, to, to look after that person, even if it takes all night. Um, but, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, forcing people to work in such a way that they are constantly exhausted because mm. it, it's just, it's not, it's not right anymore. Mm. And they don't then do a good job. So it's against job. everyone's best interest. Yeah, exactly. They don't do a good job. And, you know, you end up losing good people. Mm. You know, just because uh, someone can't stay awake for five days straight, that doesn't mean they're going to be bad at, you know, they're going to be a bad lawyer or they're going to be a bad doctor or whatever. You know? <laughs> Most people can't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, I think we have a lot to learn. Like aviation, you know, is a great industry mm. where they enforce rest because they know it improves performance. Mm. Does that mean that pilots are like rubbish? Of course it doesn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just such it's such antiquated thinking isn't it yeah you know? totally yeah how does your structure then work do you have like five days in a weekend or do you have like 14 days and then a week off or how do you kind of oh it, in it's surgery a of, it's a bit of a sh- shambles really yeah, so okay. um, i sort of have set days of clinic and operating usually and then on call which is when you know you you're ready if something happens um do you have some, a pager do you still have those beeper things no thank god like oh, so okay. out of date <laughs> i always i, I don't have kids but I don't know if anyone who has kids would would understand this I always liken the sound of a pager to a baby's cry it's like designed to <laughs> stress to, you to out. stress you yeah so that you can't ignore it um <laughs> some hospitals still do have pages we still have fax machines no yeah right so I I rang a clinic to get a result an x-ray result this is a couple months ago and they faxed it to they, you they, I said yeah can you email it to me and they're like no no we don't email we only fax I'm like who what facts? I don't even have one. <laughs> Healthcare. So yeah. I have faxes. Nice. And pages. Things that don't. <laughs> yeah, my phone. So I have a really nice gentle ringtone on my phone. 
so that if oh, it so wakes, they just use your normal phone. Yeah, just use my mobile and and uh, grab me that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that leads me to the next section, which is play TA, which is my favourite section because this is the <laughs> one where, and I imagine this is quite hard for you, but this is the one where we all separate our working identities mm-hmm. and our productive achieving mm-hmm. identities, which for the A type is very difficult, from us when we're completely unattached, we're just doing things for joy. You know, when we let the inner child back out mm-hmm. and and how we spend our spare time really mm-hmm. if you have mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> and given that you know your spare time from your surgery is done doing all the other amazing things mm-hmm. that you do is there any time for you that's just for you that's not productive it doesn't help others it's not learning it's just you know brain rest I'm sorry I'm not sure what you're asking yeah. <laughs> no. Repeat the question. You know, the trashy TV kind of thing. Yeah, look, I have to say, I'm the first one. I'm really bad at this. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) it often takes me to get to a point where I'm like about to crash. I'm like, whoa, come on, (laughs) settle down. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm getting better. I'm I'm sort of getting better at, at, uh, yeah, not getting to that point where I'm about to like burn out completely. I really like, I like trashy TV. Um, I like uh, having I like afternoon naps. Oh, nice. They're the best. <laughs> I love naps too. And like a lot of people like, you nap? I can't even fall asleep. I'm like, I can fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. If there's time to catch up on sleep, I'm going to do it. Same. <laughs> my favourite place to nap. I, I've got like big glass um, sliding doors uh, upstairs at my house and um, the sun comes through there. So I'll like grab a blanket. I used to do this when I was a kid. Um, grab a blanket. <laughs> See, inner and child. Pillow. Inner child, man. It's my inner child naps. <laughs> So good. <laughs> my inner child is a napper. No, nice. um, uh, that's that's my 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 sort of downtime. And you know, uh, if I had to, the thing that makes the two things that make me the most like I suppose chilled and happy, aside from napping, obviously, um, <laughs> being in the water. Ah, classic Perth girl. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I love it. You know, I, I, I swim for like exercise and sport. Um, and usually, usually at the end of a swim, whether it's in a pool or an ocean, I will just float. Yeah. It's the best thing. And you can't hear anybody. Mm. There's nobody there. <laughs> no one can get to you. Yeah, yeah. Try. Um, and then, um, and playing music. Uh, so oh, back to my wow. back to my roots. Um, yeah. The so, performing arts in you. Yeah. It, it's something about those two things that make my soul happy. Oh, see, that's exactly what this is whole section is about, what makes your soul happy. Yeah, and I, I need to do more of it, though. <laughs> but at least you, I think it's so good that you know what it is because yeah. a lot of people don't even know the answer to that question, yeah, let yeah. alone doing it. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, because it is hard, um, you know, and, and I think we're in a time where this kind of uh, is a spiritual kind of thing, I guess, mm. um, is something that's really popular and we're all looking for it. Um and it can be really hard to find, but I, I, I know, and this is me getting better. This is me doing, getting better at doing that is being able to recognize that those are two, and uh, if you add in the naps, three things. That, <laughs> that, that counts as an activity. That totally does, yes. It's a very sedentary one, but that's okay. <laughs> but they are things that make me, um, just make me feel a million times better, mm. a million times better. Yeah. yeah, and I think all of us, they can be really small. They can be five-minute mm-hmm. activities. Totally. But as long as you work them into your week, everything just flows mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that we all have the same amount of time in a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If a surgeon and a heart surgeon at that can take five minutes for a nap, we, the rest of us, sometimes, can, can sometimes. do it, you know. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, even the president has to do something. You know, there are, or there's always something that 
is in successful people's lives yeah. that gives their brain a break yeah. because it's not sustainable otherwise. Yeah. No one can perform 24-7. Sure. And, and, you know, I think one of the reasons that, that, you know, if you are successful, busy, whatever, that you can do that, though, is, is the people around you. Absolutely. You know, that they that allow you to do that. Um, you know, you need that support system. I think you need – and you need someone to sometimes tap you on the shoulder and say – um, you're cranky. Have you had your nap today? Yeah. Or what? You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so you actually you need those people because you know you're right. We all have the same amount of time in a day, but um, I think the the one of the really defining things is is that who, who's in that time, who's mm-hmm. helping you use your time, encouraging you to use your time really well. I always say you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, I like that. Not necessarily literally the five people, but (laughs) in your time that you choose to spend voluntarily with other people, who are the five and are they the right energy or the right, you know, are they the people that are going to support you towards where you want to go? Do they take away from that? You know, oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my five people now. I'll probably have to like go to my phone and <laughs> like look at who I call. My, uh, sadly, I think most of my phone call, whenever I look up, you know, who's my most dialed numbers, it's always work people. So <laughs> not that I don't like you work people. Sorry, I do. Uh, <laughs> is that something you find hard or that generally people who are, you know, in surgery or, you know, working in hospitals, is it something that is difficult to kind of maintain your personal life because you can be on call mm. or because, you know, you mentioned you don't have kids. Do you want to have kids? Is it no, really hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it is hard. Um, it, it is really hard. And I, I think that my friends and family, uh, a lot of my friends are in medicine or, or healthcare, so they're quite, um, you know, they do the same thing to me. But they're used to someone going... I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. Yeah. Um, just or, give me another hour. I, I won't be there. Um, I won't be there. I won't be there. Carry on. Go. Just go on without me. Go on without me. Um, I, I, when I um, first moved back to Perth from Sydney, I stayed with my mum and dad for a little while. And um, while I was just getting, you know, stuff sorted, it's always fun to do as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great time it's, for everyone it's involved. Inter- yeah, right, yes. <laughs> Sorry, parents. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they you know, they know what I do, obviously, um, but they didn't quite understand the gravity of, you know, or the craziness, what I, what I would do. And, you know, some mornings mum would text me and say, are you at work? Because she would wake up and I would have left in the middle of the night for something and not come back yet. And... <sighs> Where's my daughter? I swear we had someone else here. Yeah, <laughs> there was someone living here. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I think you know from that regard, it, it's really disruptive to the people around you. Mm. Um, like I say, I having a lot of people in my life. Like I say, most of my friends are medics. Um, they get it. Mm. Um, does it make it any less frustrating? God no. Yeah. Like I don't know. I, I'm so for me. I hate being late. Right. I there is a thing that annoys me. Very, very much. So to be that person who's running late, even though it's obviously for a good reason, yeah. I feel really bad. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, some of my friends are going like, oh, for God's sake, she's late again. Um, <laughs> or, or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't make it any any less disruptive. And yeah. I know for, for, you know, there have been periods or moments in my life, like occasions, birthdays, weddings um, that I've missed. You know, I know that you know some of my colleagues and friends have, have have had their personal life really suffer from from work and that's why I think this you know going back to what we said earlier about you know we don't need to flog people for fun mm. it'd be really it's good. already hard enough <laughs> right <laughs> you know it'd be great if we could could help people uh, integrate work into the rest of their life yeah
Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done, yeah. isn't it? I know. I, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's, I think if you are passionate and love something enough, mm. it makes it all worth it. And it, it, it does. Yeah. And, and for me, that passion, you know, is, is, is really important. And I'm pretty sure on the day that I stop caring about what I do, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. It's time, it's either time to have a holiday, which is probably not, not, <laughs> not realistic really, if, if I'm really that disinterested in what I do it's time to go yeah it, it, it that I'm done that's yeah. it yep. yeah yeah <laughs> I don't I'm, I'm not doing that anytime soon but yeah yeah and I think that is one of the it's one of those careers where you have to be a hundred percent in or 110 sure. percent in yeah, yeah at all times yeah 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 and maybe it is a short-lived career like you know maybe you don't sustain that kind of intensity it's like so intense yeah it's like, like in and out <laughs> like an AFL player yeah <laughs> I'm like, oh right no I'm in, I'm in Melbourne it's okay I can say AFL yeah. <laughs> we get it I know we get it here <laughs> when I lived in Sydney for ages I didn't know anything about rugby and um I had nothing to talk about until cricket season started <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no really one gets it. No one gets it at all. It's so weird. Yeah. We're so close. I'm like, how do you not understand all these AFL references? And they're probably going, how do you guys not understand rugby? I know. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like, which rugby? There's two kinds. Right? This is so stupid. Why? Yeah. Just amalgamate them. And who passes the ball backwards? I'm so sorry, rugby people. <laughs> I know. I'm not really that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so just to finish up, second last question is, what are the three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? Oh, I think really? hating being late can probably count as one. Okay, all right, we'll take that. Yeah, no, I, it really irritates me. Yeah, like <laughs> really irritates me. Um, and so when I'm running late, I feel like the worst person in the yeah, world. You're really hard on yourself. Yeah. I'll spend like an hour apologizing, <laughs> and after that, have someone say. It's actually okay. Just let it go, babe. You, you, you didn't burn down an orphanage. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I have really, really long toes. That's a really weird thing. Wow. I can pick things. This is probably why I don't wear shoes. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> no, this is maybe why you have long toes because you haven't, you know, constrained I don't wear enough them. shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so that can, And third thing. Oh, I've got a really good... I hate onions. Wow. That's like... Onions, make, they add so much flavour. Oh, here's a weirder thing. I don't really dislike the taste. Oh. It, is it's it the texture. Textural? Wow. And my mum, God love her, still tries to sneak onions into food. That's fascinating. <laughs> it's not even the taste. No. Wow. And she lies about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> to try and get the, yeah. <laughs> the onion in. <laughs> need to do this oh my gosh that's a great one that's so interesting yeah because I think I love this question because you find it you know we have all the career stuff and then we have all the impact stuff and then the (laughs) play stuff and then it's just like the random stuff that you you never hear this about people I think it's awesome like long toes hates onions yeah great diversity (laughs) really good (laughs) and the very last question since I love quotes so much what's your favorite motivational quote Ooh, uh, it's not enough to have an aim in life. You have to pull the trigger. Ooh, (laughs) that is such a good one. (laughs) What a wonderful way to end. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited about your book. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'll make sure to put links in where everyone can buy it. It's available from today? From today. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, exciting times. (laughs) 
What a seriously impressive woman. I completely understand how to doctors it just feels like a job, but it absolutely blows my mind what they do day to day. I was hardcore falling over myself during this episode, soaking up every little detail. If you enjoyed listening, please take a screenshot to share the A and tag at Dr. Nikki Stamp and either myself or CZA. You know how much joy it brings for our guests and myself to know what you think, who's listening and where from. And of course, I will include a link to Dr. Nikki's brand new book, pretty unhealthy in the show notes. As I've been away quite a lot lately, I overprepared so you wouldn't miss out and still have a fabulous backlog of episodes coming your way, plus some new ones from this weekend's stopover in LA. So the next installment will be with you very soon. I hope you're having an amazing day and a seizing your yay.